Get your Bibles out this morning. Get your Bibles out. Let's get in the Word. I am in part two. How many of y'all were here last week? Wave at me. Now listen, some of y'all aren't waving, so I'm going to do this till you wave at me. Amen. How many of y'all were here last week? Do y'all know why preachers do this? That's the way to make sure y'all are awake before I start preaching. Amen. And make sure y'all aren't rubbernecking, nodding off, going like, I remember one time somebody fell asleep in one of my services and woke up and blamed their daughter for snoring. And I was close enough to watch it happen, and I thought it was epically hilarious. But, but that's, I'm just telling you, that's why I do that. I want to make sure you're awake because I'm hoping you're expecting to receive the word like I'm expecting to deliver it. Amen? So get your Bibles out this morning. Turn with me back to the book of Mark chapter 12. The book of Mark chapter 12 where we started last week when we started talking about the mission of the house. The mission which should be the mission of the church but it is definitely our mission right here at the house. And that is to love God and love people. Amen. So last week we started this, and so I'm going to recap, and then we're going to get right back into where we left off last week. So we started in the book of Mark, chapter 12, verse 29 through 31. It says this, Jesus answered, the first of all, the commandment is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is, y'all, this is interactive church, just so y'all know, the Lord is, amen. And you shall love the Lord God with all of your, and with all of your, and with all of your, and with all of your. Somebody say, okay, good. This is the first commandment, and the second, like it, is this, that you shall love your, oh, Jesus, help us all, as yourself. And it goes on, it says, and there is no other commandment greater than these. This is where we will sit even today. Because let me give you the back, the back story. The Sadducees, the Pharisees, and the scribes are all attending to Jesus in a moment where they're asking him questions and trying to corner him into a place of being guilty of not knowing what he said he was, basically trying to mess him up. And so they're asking questions to see if he really is who he says he is. And then a scribe, which would be defined as a writer of Jewish or religious law, now looks at Jesus and says, Jesus... Which, of the first, which is the first commandment of all in verse 28? And I love Jesus' answer. He said, listen, the first commandment is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And I started talking about this last week, that in order for us to fulfill the mission, we have to get on the page that God is number one. Not, not listen, we, we make missions and we make vision statements and we do all these things. We're going to do this for the glory of God. We're going to do this for the glory of God. But the problem is, is that we're trying to do things for God, but God is not number one. He is somewhere else. He's not the God we serve because we serve every other God. We serve the God of vanity. We serve the God of pride. We serve the God of money. We serve, can I get an amen from somebody? Y'all getting quiet at me all of a sudden. Uh, uh, we, we balance our lives on the existence of others rather than the greatness of what God's given us in the moment that we're living in right now. And so what happens is, is now we're serving other gods and not serving God, but telling everybody to serve God. And people are looking at us going, well, what God do you serve? Because the God that I see you serve is not the God you talk about. It's the God that you worship when no one's looking. It's the one that you run to to get comfort. It's the let me post something on social media so everyone can feel sorry for me. Yeah, let, me let me try to be like everybody else. Let me get nip, tuck, sucked, and plucked so I can be somebody that God didn't create. <sighs> There's a reason I'm, I'm heavy. Because I like food. If you don't like this, I'm sorry. God's working on me. But baby, let me help you something. I'm not losing weight because you think I'm heavy. You're going to have to get over it. Because I'm confident in what I woke up to this morning. I looked at the man and said, boy, you look good today. 
Then I looked at my wife and I said, you agree? And I didn't even wait for an answer. I just kept on walking. Because the truth be told is that I'm not here to, I'm not here to tickle you. I'm here because God made me. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm the promise of my God. I'm the righteousness of my father. I'm, man, I'm good stuff. Pastor, you are really prideful this morning. No, I'm confident. I'm confident in who dwells on the inside of me. Let me help you with something real quick. Not even in my notes. You want to get over heartbreak? Find out how much God really loves you. Because it'll heal it really fast. So, so the scribe's trying to pigeonhole him. He's trying to mess Jesus up. And he says, number one, you got to love God. Stop loving everything else. Let me help you with something. If you love God and stop loving everything else, you'll probably succeed at the things that you want to love. Hmm. And he goes on and he says, he says, and you shall love the Lord God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, and, and I gave you some words to kind of clarify what he was saying here. With all of your heart, your heart beats when? Not tomorrow, it beats right now. And so he says, I need you to love me with your right now. And then you should love God with your soul, which is your eternity. So in other words, I need to love him in my now all the way into my eternity. Not wavering in the process from my present to my future, but understanding that I'm going to love him all the way in to the promised land. And then I should love him with my mind. In other words, I should have a desire to renew this thing. How many of y'all know the biggest battlefield that you have is what goes on up here? Because this affects everything else. What you think is what you become. And so if you don't let God come and arrest your mind and change your thoughts, change your stinking thinking, then nothing else is going to shift. I love when people go, Pastor, I'm so sick. Why don't you ever get better? I don't know. I'm just sick. Or they make those statements like, my body's killing me. Go in the backyard, dig a hole. You're about to die. Because what you declare out of your mouth is where you're probably going to end up. Some people, I'm never going to be happy. Dear God, help them, Jesus. I'm never going to make it. It's always going to be bad. Did you read your word? Because it doesn't say that. It says a lot of great things in there. He, he says, love me with your understanding. Do you have an understanding of who God is? Because let me help you with something. You know what bothers me the most as a pastor? Believers who know who God is, but talk like he doesn't exist. I know who God is, and I know what he but I don't know if he wants to do it for me. You have to have an understanding. And this says, love him with all your strength, with all your being, with exhaust your flesh. Let me help you with something. Somebody said, Pastor, years ago, they said, Pastor, how do I beat the flesh? You know, the, we're supposed to crucify our flesh daily. How do I beat my flesh so that it doesn't keep rising up? How do I stop sinning? I said, exhaust the sucker. Wear it out. How do I do that? Give more to God than you give to your flesh, and you'll watch the flesh die. How do you crucify? Okay, crucifixion was not done out of pain. It was done out of love. So how do I break the sin in my life? Let the love of God consume you and then operate in it, even though you want to do everything else and watch what happens because then that stuff doesn't get a toehold on you. Love God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And don't waver in it. Do it till you're worn out. I, I should, we should be at the point in our walk as believers that when we go to God, we don't go to God in heaven like, man, I'm so pumped. We should go to God. Brian, why are you so worn out? God, I gave you everything I had. I emptied my vessel till my last dying breath. So, God, I'm so glad I'm here. But, boy, boy, it was tiring sometimes. But I'm, I'm glad I'm here. We, we, we have a tendency to only go to God when it's bad. We have a tendency to only go to God when we want something or need something. As opposed to, God, I've given you everything I am. I'm ready for you to give me everything you are. Does that make sense? 
He said, love me with your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And he goes on and says, and this is the first commandment. So today I want to take you into the next part. I want to minister on the second part of this scripture to finish out the mission here at the house. Although there is a part three to this message, and you'll have to get that next week, I want to finish just the mission space of this message. And so let's go to Mark chapter 12, verse 31. And we're going to break this scripture down for you this morning. Are you ready? That was nine of y'all. I mean, y'all give a pastor a complex on a Sunday morning real bad. I said, are y'all ready? Good. Saint season's over. Your team didn't make it. Get over it. Take all that energy you put into football, except for you LSU fans. Amen. Take all that energy. So, wait, hold on. I just asked if y'all were ready for the scripture. And nobody said nothing. I bring up that. Woo! Devil's a liar. All right. Okay. I know what I got to do on church days now. Dun, 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 and then everybody scream. Okay, yeah, okay, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Well, I guess my whole outfit's going to become purple and gold from now on on Sundays. And all the Alabama fans prayed, amen. Okay. I'm sorry. I apologize. It slipped out. I couldn't control it. It's like, put it back. Okay. Where were we? Okay. Thanks for coming to church today. Welcome. Go home. Okay. Book of Mark, chapter 12, verse 31. You got it? Say, I got it. Let's get into it. All right. It says in verse 31, it says, and the second like it is this. You shall love. Stop. Stop. You shall love. But pastor, I like to hate more than I like to love. I like to gossip more than I like to love. I like to point fingers more than I like to love. I, I carry. Now, see, here's the truth of it. He says, and the second like it is that you shall love. It did not say preach. It did not say prophesy. It didn't even say pray. It says, and you shall love. Why? Because God is love. The Bible says it's the love of God that draws man to repentance. It is not your preaching. It is not your Sunday attendance. It is not even how eloquently you think you pray. It is the love of God that draws man to repentance. If you do not walk in the love of God, then no one will go where you're going. Can I, can I just give you this a quick sidebar? Your church attendance doesn't matter to people. It doesn't. Doesn't. Can I just be honest with you? Oh, it's going to really mess you up. The enemy doesn't even care if you come to church. The enemy cares with what you do when you leave the church. The enemy cares whether or not you'll let it saturate and become a part of you and you change who you are or you'll go back in, or, or, or if you just go back and do the same old stuff, then he doesn't worry about you. You wonder why the enemy's been attacking during the 21 days of prayer and fasting? Because you're becoming something the enemy doesn't want you to become. You're actually consecrating yourself into the things of God, focusing on the things of God. And he's like, whoa, if they focus all this time on God, they might find out who God made them to be and then I'm going to lose territory. So let me create distractions so I can keep them in my territory. No, I'm going to go seek God. I'm going to let him speak so that he can use me as a vessel of his purpose. And he says, and the second like is this, you shall love. Don't religious people. What do you mean by that? Stop being so pious in your religion that they can't see the love of God. Oh, here it comes. Nobody. Me? I don't care how old you are in this room. Nobody is full grown. Ah, I love church folk. 
Because that's the problem in the church. Well, look, I mean, me and God, we have an amazing relationship. But now that one over there, that one, that one needs a special touch from the Lord. That one over there has not been as saved as long as I have. And, and I walk with God and talk with God. And he wakes me up in the morning and brings me my coffee. And do you be, you be, I know some of y'all look at me like, no, Pastor, that doesn't happen. Oh, let me help you. Let me tell you why churches are emptying. Because people like that exist in the church. Because the church is not a place where people who are broken can come. It's only a people that have arrived can come. And the problem is, is if the people can't come here that are broken, then we do not love, we pride people in the door. We're operating in a social clique that says, you can't be a part of this thing because you haven't arrived yet. Baby, let me tell you something. I am the most unqualified, most broken, busted, and disgusted, messed up from the neck up, jacked up person that could ever stand at this pulpit. But you know what? Praise God, he's still using me. Praise God, he hadn't given up on me. But here's the great part. Somebody said to me years ago, they said, Pastor, stop telling everybody your, your bad story. Stop telling everybody what you did wrong. I said, can I tell you why I do it? Because there's another 50 that are in the room that are going, can somebody just know what I'm going through? Can someone just know where I've been? Can someone just know that I don't have it all together and I'm working on this thing? Yep, join, we're joining the club together. Amen. Because let me help you with something. Every time I go before God, it does not, it, God doesn't come to the room and go, Brian, my son. I am so, so proud of you. You are the greatest. You know, there's me, there's Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and then there's you, Brian. Thank God he doesn't treat me like that. That's too much responsibility. Because usually it sounds like this, Brian, there's God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and you aren't acting the way I created you. Can you fix some things? Because I don't like that in you. Oh, okay, God, I will. But the truth be told is, is that what is, the, what is the fundamental space of us growing the kingdom of God? It's operating in the love of God. What we do every day as believers must be led by God, right? Then if God is love, then should we be led in love to demonstrate his love? Not, dem not led in your timelines, not led in your schedules, not led in whether somebody's going to like you or not like you or you'll be popular or unpopular, but be led by the love of God to love Others, can I just say this to you? Love conquers everything. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But here's the problem in the church. Love is the hardest commodity for believers to live by. It is the biggest, most struggled space in the church because, let's be honest, we're all messed up. But how do we get over our messed up spots? We let God love us with our messed up spots so that we can be transformed and changed so that we might be able to become demonstrations of his love. He says that we should love. That means hate has to leave. Gossip has to leave. Hurt has to leave. You can't love somebody from your past. You have to love somebody with where you are. And if God is still working on you, let God work his love in you. And then go love others. Because if you try to love somebody out of hurt, you'll end up hurting those that you're trying to love. Does this make sense? He said the number one, he said, first, he said, I need you to love. I'm not asking you to be a preacher on a pulpit on a Sunday morning. I'm asking you to love. But who did he say to love? Well, I love the ones I like. Love the ones that make me feel good about me. He said, no, love the one that messed up your yard with their lawnmower yesterday. 
Love the one whose doggy keeps pooping in your front yard and leaving it there and knowing they're doing it too. Love the neighbor that, okay, can I just tell you the story quick? Where we live is on a corner lot. And for some reason, I guess before we moved into this house, the people across the street thought it was okay to use my yard as a parking lot. So, like, they literally park in my yard on the side. Work with me for a second. When it rains, that creates what? Ruts. But nobody cares. And I'm going, ooh, because you ain't going to fix it. I'm going to have to. And my wife's like, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. It's a big deal to me because I got to fix it. Okay. I keep saying I'm going to say something. Guess what I haven't done yet? Because every time I want to say something, God says, shut up. It's just grass. You're not going to die. Let them people park where they want to park. If they were parking in your front yard by your front door, get angry. But they're not. Let them leave them alone. They're looking for a place to get together. Shut up. I could have ruined my witness by going and knocking and saying, get out of my yard. As opposed to saying, leave it be. It ain't going to change anything. I need more opportunity to share with you the love of God rather than share with you the frustration of you parking in my grass. Y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about. You know the people the next door that are too loud? Come on, I got some of those in the neighborhood too. Or the people like to drive down your house at 11 o'clock at night, thumping their bass. Boom, boom. As the walls go. And my kids go, what is that? They're running down. Oh, what is that, Dad? I want to look at them and go, it's the second coming. Run. Run. You got those neighbors. And then God says, listen, don't just love, but love them. Why did he say neighbors? Because it is easier to overlook the ones that are closest to you. It's easy to overlook the ones you want to disregard. Did you ever think that the neighbor that you have was put there for a purpose? No, Pastor, I moved into the neighbor from hell. No, that's a neighbor who needs heaven, but you won't give it to him. Because we are too confined in our own space. And if you have great friends with relationships with your neighbors, I praise God for you, but not everybody does. And most people just want to disregard because it's not my bubble. Let me help with something. When you ask Christ into your heart, Jesus popped your bubble. He said, that is not your world. This is your world. Now go. And what we, do, what we try to do is just hold in this. He says, he, says, he says, love your neighbor. I love how he didn't say go love the whole world. Oh, pastor, you have to win everybody? Nope. You just have to be willing to reach the one that's closest. Why do, we do, why do we do Fill Your Seat Sunday? Why are we pushing that so hard? Because I want you to get into a mindset that church is not okay until my neighbor comes. The kingdom of God is not satisfied until my neighbor comes. Not, not my whole neighborhood, my neighbor. My next door neighbor, my next door coworker, my, my friend that I say is a friend but is going through hell, but I'll never invite him to church because I don't want to be the weirdo. I don't want to have to be accountable for my behavior. It's easy to worship in the gathering of other believers, but man, if I bring my neighbor, they're going to think I'm weird. Maybe they need what you have. He didn't say love the world. He said love your neighbor. Loving the world was God's job, and he did it through Jesus. How do I know this? Because John 3.16 says it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He didn't give you. He gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He said love your neighbor. Have you ever wondered why he said your neighbor, though? 
Because your neighbor is the closest one to you besides your family that truly sees who you are away from the church. I don't run down my street yelling to everybody, I'm a pastor. Come to me. I will counsel you. No, most of the time I'm like, don't come. Don't look at me like I'm crazy right now. Sometimes I need a break. Amen. Can we counsel? No. Okay. He says, why? Because your neighbor's going to see who you really are. Because here's the truth of it. I can stand on a pulpit, preach the gospel, sit in front of Facebook, over 1,200 people watch every week, and I can do all this every week. But what happens when your neighbor finds out who you are? Uh-oh. Guess I can't cuss in the backyard anymore. <laughs> Guess I can't scream at my children like I want to. Nobody knows we're not at church. No, because here's the thing of it. God says love your neighbor because they're the ones that know you the best. They're watching. The Bible says you're living epistles being judged by men when? Daily. I don't know if you realize this, but the world is waiting to see whether you're going to be exactly who you say you are. Because if you want them to sign up for what you're doing, then you have to be consistent, committed, not wavering, not falling, but consistent. Hey, I'm, con man, you know what, that guy, you know, he goes through hell sometimes, but man, he loves God. He never stops talking about it. He is always letting God do a work in him. Man, I need what he's got. Because even through his worst moments, he seems to have peace. And my whole, all, all world's breaking loose in my house, and I don't have peace. I need to get what he's got. But how do you show peace? You've got to stay consistent in a thing. Declaring it one moment doesn't change anything. Living it, showing it, breathing it, eating it, that's what people are waiting for. So if he says love, do you love them or do you just like them? Now, love doesn't mean that you have to go spend every second of every moment of every day getting to know their families. I know everything about, I know their favorite colors. That's not what love is. Love is you re being willing to reach out your hand and be available when needed. Your neighbor is the closest one to you beside your family that truly sees who you are away from the church. He says, love your neighbor because they are the ones we overlook in order to love the ones that are easier to love. He says, your neighbor, because he called you to reach the one, not the 99. For so long, we have ignored those that are situated closest to us because we might have to do this thing all the time, 24-7. The Bible says, listen, the Bible says that heaven rejoices over the one that gives their life to Christ more than the 99 that just show up to church because that's what they always do. There is a dilemma in the church. We don't reach new people for the kingdom of God. We steal people from other churches and call them, tell, them, tell God, look what we did. Well, you know, I went and I invited John over here, and he, went, he goes to this church around the corner. And, you know, he, we've been talking for a long time, and I've been telling him, I said, man, you need to come to my church. Can I just be honest with you? I would be really angry if people came into my church and started stealing people out of my church. You want to know why? Because I'm a shepherd, and I love my sheep. And when my sheep leave, I, I, it's hard. It's tough. Ask my family. We'll all tell you from not only my wife and me, but even from my kids. When sheep leave the field, it is tough because we connect not with our hands and what we do. We connect with our hearts because we choose to love more than we preach. We choose to love more than we teach. I am more in love with the thing than I am about preaching to the thing. And so if another person goes, well, I'm going to go to this church. Why are you going to that church? Well, my friend John, he invited me and said that I really would like his church. So you didn't like this church? Well, no, I love this church. But I just want to go to that church now. You want to know what keeps people grounded in a church? Love. Love. I, I, 
listen, we, we don't always do it perfectly, but one of the things that I really strive hard as the pastor of this house is to build a culture that this is a family more than it is a room full of a bunch of people that walk in to just hear a sermon. That we get to know you by name, that we try our best with everything we get, with everything we've got to get to know your story, to get to walk with you and talk with you. Not because we want to be nosy, but because we don't want you to ever feel like you're not a part of this thing. Because I'm trying to build something that lasts way longer than Brian. I'm trying to build something, my wife and I are trying to build something with God that goes well beyond my existence, my life, my breathing, my heartbeat. We actually create a culture of love more than we create a culture of pride and social elitists. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. God says to love your neighbor with the same desires that you love you. But you can't love others until you love you. I've said this for years. And people think this is, some people are like, Pastor, that, that's, that's crazy. Pastor, I'm trying to love my wife. Do you love you? Well, no. Then stop trying to love her. Because if you're trying to love her and not loving you, then what are you loving her with? And I'm not talking about you being in love with you pridefully. I'm talking about you finally falling in love with what God made. And being okay with it so that now you can love others. When I, when I first got married, I had all kinds of insecurities. Anybody want to join the club? Amen. If I'm all by myself, I'll be there by myself. But I had insecurities. And, and when we got married, I had all kinds of insecurities. First of all, I married a very beautiful woman who was well out of my league. Amen. Hey, you didn't have to amen back that loud. You had to catch the Holy Ghost back there. Hey, watch out. See, so, so much that my cousin literally asked me, he's like, bro, how'd you pull that off? The hand of the God and the land, hand of God and the land of the living. Amen. That's what I'm living by. I'm living by the word. Amen. I, I know I'm blessed. Okay. And the truth be told is that when she saw me the first time, the first thing she fell in love with was my shoes. She's like, oh, he likes, he likes shoes. I'm like, gum, you missed the whole package. It went right to the shoes. So I know how to keep her for the rest of my life. Just keep buying shoes. I'm good with that one. Amen. All right. Okay. And so, and so, and I, I buy her shoes. Amen. Um, the truth be told is, is that in this process of, of everything, I know that God's given me great things, but I wasn't confident in who I was. And so it brought conflict. It brought struggle, not in her and I, but in me. I couldn't give her the best of me because I didn't know what the best of me was. Yeah, pastor, how are you the pastor and still struggling? Come on, work with me for a second. You're still serving God, but still struggle with what you look at in the mirror half the time. If that wasn't the case, we wouldn't be re-signing up to gym memberships every January. If it, truth be told, if we were really confident in who we were, we would not base why we change whether everyone else will accept us, but we will base our change rather on the space of living a longer life because we want more time with because I want more time with him so I can have more time with her. Ah, see, I'm trying to help you here. So, so the process is, is that we, we have this tendency to not love ourselves. And then we go, but God says, love my neighbors. But, but how do I love my neighbor when I can't love me? And, and so now it's fake love. It's not real love. It's false love. Y'all ever been loved falsely? Okay, you ever, you ever told a story? Somebody gave you that fake laugh? <laughs> Don't you hate when people do that? You're like, that was funny. You just, <laughs> I used to have a staff member that used to do it all the time, and I used to die. I'm like, bro, don't, don't, don't be fake laughing at me. He's like, come on, Pastor, come on. And I'd say to him, he'd go, 
Brother, you didn't even laugh. Your faith didn't even break. <laughs> but, but can I be honest with you? Sometimes we love people the same way. We love them because it's convenient for the moment. But it is not an eternal commitment. Loving people is not for a moment. It is an eternal commitment. I asked somebody one day, I said, I, I, I said you know why I love you? And they, they said to me, because you love everybody, Pastor. No, because I don't always love everybody. <gasps> I don't. Sometimes people upset me. Am I okay saying that in church? I hope y'all don't like write me off like he's a heresy preaching pastor now. I have moments. But here's the truth of it. If I'm committed to the love of God, then I'm committed that no matter what, that I might go through a moment, but nothing, absolutely nothing shall separate me. Because if the scripture says that nothing shall separate me from the love of God, then my love should not allow anything to separate me from loving others. Not matter what you do to me, I still have to love you. That is one of the hardest requirements that God put on us. They'll cuss you. They'll cut you. They'll talk about you. They'll hurt you. They'll come after everything you've got. Love them. Because every one of us in this room go, no, I'll kill them. <laughs> Touch my wife. Watch what happens. It's going to be on like Donkey Kong around here. Touch my kids. I'm coming for you. I've already told my girls, the first boy that hurts your heart, losing a limb. Write it up in the paper. I'm meeting the first one with a shotgun. Amen. You want to meet my darts? Hey, welcome to the family. No, we all have that space, but I have to live in the space of love regardless of what happens. What if love is the prerequisite for heaven? What if it's not about what you did? It's whether or not you loved. Because if God is love, wouldn't you think that love has something to do with eternity? Wouldn't you think that love has something to do with your assignment? Wouldn't you think that love has something to do with your walk as a believer? Wouldn't you think, ah, not just loving you, but loving those around you? And he says, but if in order for you to love them, you have to be willing to love yourself. And you cannot love yourself until you understand and know God's love for you. Amen? So, so here, let me give you this analogy. Baby, come here for a second. And I told her I was going to do this to her. I didn't tell her what I was doing. I said, you just were part of my message. Pastor, baby, I don't want to be up there. You know, I don't like being up there long. That's all right. According to Denise, you look good. So come on and come sit up here. Come here. Come, come sit right here. And, and you know, sit, come sit right here. Come sit right here. And you don't have to look at them. They're staring at you, but you don't have to look at them. Okay. And so, look, I, I know you have a space in you that, of something you love. Something you love. Be quiet. You're ruining my message. There are things that you love. There are things that you love a lot. Sometimes I wonder if you love them more than me. And, 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 but I do know the way to your heart. Amen. And so, and so I, I picked up something that I know you love. The other day I was talking to her. I said, I got an illustration. She goes, you bought a king cake, didn't you? I'm like, God, she's always putting holes in everything. Do any of y'all, your wives, when you say I got, a, I got a surprise for you, they start trying to guess it? I'm like, shut up. I want to surprise you. So I, I bought, baby, it's a good one, too. I mean, it's, it's everything you like. It's everything. But here's the crazy part. Mm -hmm. This is, in this moment, my love for you because I know what you love. So I'm giving you this. I, I know you're fasting. I get it. And so you're now thinking, 
She's thinking, can I save it? <laughs> it's only seven days left. Maybe it'll last. We'll eat it on the seventh day. Yes. Like it sounds like that. She's not saying it that way, but that's how I hear it. Okay. And so, so I understand. It's a Randazzo's king cake. It was fresh bought yesterday. It was baked yesterday morning. It's fresh. And I know, I know I'd get it, right? But here's what the love of God says. As much as I've given it to you, I need you to give it away. She said, I will, because if I eat that, God's going to be mad at me, all right, because I'm fasting, all right. But, but if this was outside of the fast, if this was outside of the fast, and I did this to you right now. Yeah, there'd be a second guess on her thought. She's like, mm, nobody's getting this king cake, sucker. It's going with me. So, so watch this, watch, watch, watch. Here's the thing. How many of you in here like king cake? Especially that Randazzo's king cake. Now, don't tell me, well, I only like this kind of king cake, Pastor. King cake. I'm just talking about king cake in general. The truth be told is that if she's going to share the king cake, most of us will pick other people that we already know like king cake. So it doesn't matter whether you raise your hand or not. It doesn't matter whether I know you or not. I'm going to find the ones that I've talked about king cake to. I'm going to reach because I'm going to share company with those who've already gotten there, not rather than those who haven't gotten there yet. You know, it's amazing to me how many people have never had a king cake. I'm like, I get people, I've never had a king cake. Look, when Dylan moved here, this was funny. Dylan moved here from California. We took him to Copeland's for his first meal. This dude thought he was going to kill it. So he ordered that big old heaping seafood platter. Brother didn't know what to do with his body after he ate that. I said, I don't know what this is because in California, you don't fry food. So here, that's all we do. We deep fry and get fat. Amen. That's what we do. And so he's like, man, this, this got flavor. There's flavor. Like, he was more excited about the flavor than he was the food. And so when he left, what did he do? He started calling people saying, man, did you see what I had taken pictures? He's Instagramming while we're sitting at the table. Like, you got to see this. But then you go to California, and, and we talk about it because when, when, whenever I go to California, I'm like, God, the food is so good. I'm like, want to bring my own things of seasoning with me because there's, there's just not, not enough. There's not enough salt, man. Just not enough salt. Okay. But the truth be told is, is that I've given my wife a king cake. Now she's salivating. Let's just for instance, just for the moment's sake, just say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be, although she wants to call me the devil right now, I'm, I'm going to play the role of God. I have now blessed her with something that she loves. And every one of us desires so intently to hold on to what God's given us. So much so that she really wants to take the king cake back to her seat and sit down and act like it never happened because I'm afraid somebody might try to steal it from me. Anybody ever do this? When we get God to do something great in our lives, we hold on to it as if he'll never do something else great in our lives. And so we hold on to it with such desire, such, such intent, so that no one can ever steal from us. Let me tell you why we hold on so tightly. is because we've lived our lives with people hurting and breaking and coming against us. And so when God does something great in our lives, we have a tendency to hold on to it. Now, I, don't want nobody, I don't want anybody to take it from me, so let me hold on to it. And God says, that's not my love. My love says, here you go. The love of God says, God, you can take whatever you've given me and give it away. You see her face when I did that? I heard snarling. I don't know if you heard it. Let me hand it back to you. Let me take it. No. She looks at You heard her? I'll give it to somebody, babe. Let me do it. But shouldn't this be the desire of our hearts? 
What did God give you today that you'll give away today? Oh, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me say this to you as well. This is a sidebar, not even in the notes. Stop trying to wrap it up all pretty to present it. Don't go home and labor over it. Just give it away as raw as it's been given to you. This is not a pretty presented package. This is the rawness of the word of God. Now go deliver it. You're a FedEx, a UPS, or a mailman. Become that and go deliver the love of God. He said to love your neighbors as yourself. In other words, everything I do in you is not for you. It's for others. I have given you everything for others. But God, it's for me. I just want it to be for me. Can it just be for me? (laughs) It is for you. But the value of it is not by you keeping it. The value in it is whether or not you're willing to give it away. How does the love of God grow bigger in you? It is determined by how much love you're willing to give away to others. Because when you love others, God broadens the space of love on the inside of you. And now you become something bigger and better than you've ever been. Don't find somebody that you know that likes king cake. Find somebody that's never had one. Find somebody that doesn't understand the understanding that you have. And she's like, I like Dong Fong King Cakes. Not everybody in this room likes Dong Fong King Cakes. Some of you guys are loyalists. I don't like the ones that got the, the, like the granulated colored sugar on the top. I think those are disgusting. But y'all, some of y'all are like, that's the only king cake is, is valued. Everybody's got their own desires. Here's the crazy part. Whatever God gives you is not necessarily going to reach everybody, but it will reach the ones that God intends for it to reach. I don't preach for everybody. Some people are like, Pastor, you're too wild for me. I get it. I'm sorry. This is who I am. There's some people that come into the pulpit and go, good morning. I want to welcome you to the church. So glad you're here with us. Turn with us to the book of Mark chapter 12. It's going to be an exciting day here at the church this morning. But I read the scripture and says it's like fire shut up in my bones. So when it gets to me, I'm like, woo! Like I said, I'm not for everybody. Seems to work really good in Louisiana, though. Amen. He said, love them. He said, serve them. Give away everything. God didn't say you had to give away all of your love, but that you needed to share the love that he's given to you so that both of you can commune together. Demonstrating God's desire to commune with them. It's amazing just saying hi to somebody is demonstrating the love of God. In verse 31, it goes, there's no other commandment greater than these. Love God. Love people. It should be the mission of every church and believer in it. That we should love God and love people. Baby, you can come off the stage now. She told me not to leave her up there too long. Come on, baby. You can come back to your seat. You want to bring your king cake with you? Bring your king cake. That way you can pray for it as you watch it leave, as you watch it go away. Yes, thank you. This should be the ministry. This should be the mission, not just of the church, but every believer in the church. To love God, love people. You cannot love people till you love God. You cannot. Stop trying. Let the love of God take over in your heart, and it will make loving people really easy. How many of y'all have people that have hurt you? Come on, there's more than you. I don't want to say it. Say it. I got a list, baby. People that have walked out on you. People that have abandoned you. Come on, keep your hand up. Keep, I'm trying to this is, work with me for a second. I don't want to. Just be here. I've, I've got hurt, Pastor. Here's the crazy thing. When you raise your hand like that, you know what God says? I hope that they know how much I love them. If you're concerned, you can put your hand down now. Come here. That's right. If love is a struggle for you, 
then let God love you. One of the greatest things I ever did was in the midst of all of my struggles, amidst the jail, being alone, being homeless, going through all the things I went through as a young man. I'll never forget one night I came out of jail. My parents wouldn't let me back in the house. I had messed every relationship up. I had, I had, had pooped on every relationship I could. And there was one lady that said, I'll open up my house to you. She moved her daughter out of her room so that I'd have a place to sleep. One of the most uncomfortable moments of my life because I felt not only like a failure at life, but I felt like I was hurting other people because now her own daughter was sleeping on the couch. And they gave me her room. And I remember laying on the bed one night and I was just in prayer and I was crying because I just didn't know what tomorrow was going to hold and I had nothing to my name. And I thought, God, I know you want to use me, but this is not the way I saw it. And this is what God told me now. He said, Brian, every pain in your life has been because you wouldn't let me love you. You wanted me to love you to fix what everyone did to you. And my love is not to fix what everyone did to you. My love supersedes what everyone did to you. He said, so I need you to start letting me love you. Not realizing that in that moment, that love was not so he could just wrap his arms around me and hold me. But that through his love, he would start defining who I was in him. It was those nights that I laid on that bed and cried and sought the face of God where he started to deal with me and the call on my life, which I had been running from because church was trash. I grew up in the church, cut my teeth in the church. I ran the pews of the church. I, 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 I was in church more than most people. But yet it was the one thing I was running from. Do you want to know why? It wasn't because of God failing me. It was because people failed me. And the sad part was, was that I was running from the one that wanted to love me the most because people couldn't love me with the one, with the love that the one who wanted to love me the most wanted to love me with. And so I let people push me from God, and then I started to blame God for the people. And he says, Brian, here's the problem. They will always make their own decisions. I just hope they'll make the decisions that are in line with what I've said. I can't change people, Brian. I can't make them do what you want them to do. I can't make your dads love you any better. I can't take back the times that your dad abused you. I can't take back the times that your father walked out on you before you were born. I can't take back the nights that you cried and wondered why there's no man that wants to be your daddy. I can't take back because that was their choice. But the whole time that they were doing that, I was standing in heaven going, but Brian, I'll love you. And my love will conquer everything in you. Stop subscribing to the pain of people and start subscribing to the promise of me. When people ask me, Pastor, how did you get over that pain in your life? Man, I grabbed a hold of God and started calling him my dad. Who's your dad? Oh, come on, Pastor, that's just dumb. No, seriously. When I wanted to marry her, I went to dad. When I wanted to have kids, I went to dad. When I don't know what to do, I go to dad. Here's the crazy part. The more I go to him, the better I am. 
Because I don't have to be right. I can be wrong. I can love God the way God loves her rather than the way I want to love her. I can demonstrate the love of God to others who don't know what love is. If we can't love God, we can't love people. But if we can love God, loving people will be real easy. And then people will finally see God rather than us. Love God, love people. It's not just heard, but should be underlined. Written on the walls of our heart, declared all over our city, and demonstrated daily. Am I saying you're going to do it perfect all the time? No, you're not. But what I am saying is that this should be the motto of our hearts. God, I woke up this morning and I love you. Give me the grace to love your people. Give me the joy to love your people. Give me the patience to love your people. Even those that don't even know you yet, God. Give me the patience to overcome whatever struggles they're going through so that I can walk. Because I hope and pray you would do the same for me. I hope and pray that if I make a mistake, you love me as much as I desire to love you. Because that's what God's doing with me. Brian, you're going to make mistakes, but if you come back to me, I'm going to keep loving you. Because I'm not going to quit on you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm not going to walk out on you. We're going to do this thing together. Not when it's convenient, because it's covenant. Loving God and loving people is not a church motto. It's a covenant and the one he has commanded us to do as believers. Everyone stand to your feet.